Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to our number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to listen via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, I do appreciate you tuning in here from uh, 7 to 9 every weekday as we uh, hopefully keep you entertained and informed in all the world of sports news and uh, lots of stuff going on today, certainly. Uh, our 8 o'clock hour always full on a football Friday. We have the, the Friday Five, which is going to be coming up here just momentarily as I have my five games ready to pick and preview for you. Also, we have an NFL weekend preview as well with my NFL Lock of the Week. Seven and one so far in the season and my NFL Locks of the Week, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into that here momentarily. And, uh, of course, you can, uh, you can always tweet me at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice on Twitter. So let's get into it here. The Friday Five... There, I, I do it every week. I'm 24 and 21 on the season. Whether it's picking against the spread or the over/under, uh, sometimes I'll mix in an over/under on those on those games to kind of just see, you know, if, if if we can nail one of those. Uh, I've been wrong on a couple of them, but for the most part, uh, they have they have played out uh, to to my favor. So the five games that I've picked for for today for this week, I think are the most. I don't want to say the most competitive games, but certainly one of them has some of the more compelling type of, of backstory and things like that involved. And we begin right there with a neutral site game. It's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I had a chance to attend one of these games many years ago. It is absolute pandemonium, and it is the most fun you'll ever have at a football game. It, it is ridiculous. So, we got there. We got to we got to Jacksonville um, four days before the game. Okay, so I was doing my show live from the hotel, and we were there, and we had we had driven by the state. My my buddy's a big Georgia fan, big, a Georgia booster, big time uh, you know Georgia season ticket holder. He goes to the cocktail party every single year, and so he's like he's like, hey, come out to the game. You got to come to a cocktail party with me. I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, yeah, drop drop everything and go to the cocktail party. That's exactly what happened, and I was happy to do it, and it was the best one of the best experiences of my life. And so we we go. He's like, you got to go check this out, man. You got to see the stadium. So we go driving by the stadium in Jacksonville, and the the parking lot is already full. Like it looked like a NASCAR infield, with the amount of like <clears throat> motorhomes and and campers and stuff like that. It was already full. People start, I'm not kidding, people start camping out for this game. They allow this. People start camping out for this game 10 days before the game. 10 days. It's the biggest thing in Jacksonville, like all year. It's it's absolutely awesome. And it's a great rivalry between Georgia and Florida. It's a lot of fun. Um, both teams, and like you look back in the history, both teams both share like the longest win streak. Like Florida was on a seven-game win streak in the 90s. Georgia had a seven-game win streak in the 40s. Um, the all-time series, Georgia leads. Now, 
the, the two schools have different records because there's there's a discrepancy over one of the games that um, that uh, Florida contests. They've been contesting it for decades. Georgia, if if you if you believe the Florida side, Georgia leads the 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 all time series fifty two forty four to two. If you believe the Georgia side, it's fifty three forty four to two. It is one hell of a rivalry. The fans are just absolutely off the chain. Like, it is the biggest drinking party I've ever been to in my entire life. And it is a ridiculous amount of fun. Now, in this particular iteration, the number one Georgia Bulldogs, who, of course, have been just ridiculously dominant all season long, they've been so, so good. Um, They're favored by 14 points in this game over Florida. Florida has been having trouble with the quarterback situation. Emory Jones has started every game this year for Dan Mullen, much at the behest of the fans and maybe even possibly some of the brass there down in Gainesville. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the start for Florida today or tomorrow, whether it is Emory Jones who started every game so far but has been really inconsistent, or if it's going to be Anthony Richardson, uh, their very talented quarterback that they have waiting in the wings. Either way, Georgia's defense is going to be ready for whomever it is that plays quarterback for them. Uh, I don't think it's it's you know honestly going to matter too much. At quarter at quarterback for Georgia, Stetson Bennett, who's been the starter of the last three games, took over for JT Daniels, who got uh, who got injured. Um, but he, JT Daniels, I believe, is is ready to go again. So it'll be interesting to see what Kirby Smart does at the quarterback. Does he stay with Stetson Bennett, whom it seems like the offense has responded to? Or does he go back to the highly touted uh, JT Daniels? Regardless, they've got uh, they've got a wealth of talent at quarterback, and uh, they're looking pretty good. Now, here is the one X factor to throw in this, and it's it's a silly one, but it's something that if you're if you're someone who likes trends and someone who likes really interesting uh, type of like little trivia like this, like me, it's something to take note of. Every single year that the Atlanta Braves made the World Series, Florida has beaten Georgia. So the Atlanta Braves, when they make the World Series, Georgia loses the cocktail party. Now, in case you've been living under a rock, the Atlanta Braves are currently 1-1 with the Astros in the 2021 World Series. So in 1991, when, uh, when the Braves made the World Series, Gators won that game 45-13. 92, Braves make the World Series. Gators won that game 26-24. 1995, Braves win the uh, in the World Series. Gators win big 52-17. 1996, the Braves in the World Series. The Florida Gators beat Georgia 47-7. And in 1999, the Braves make the World Series and Florida beats Georgia 30-14. Now that's that was during the big streak. Of course, Spurrier was the head coach. At Florida, they were a, a top three ranked team every single year that uh, during that run. And Georgia was Georgia was good. They weren't as dominant certainly as they are now, or they have been in the past. Uh, but it was a it, just a dominant decade for Florida in that series. I don't think any of that plays plays out this year. I think we I think we buck the trend. Georgia is just that good. I think Florida is a little too inconsistent, specifically at the quarterback position. And we've seen them shoot themselves in the foot, 15 penalties in a game at home that, you know, an inexcusable loss to Kentucky, Kentucky the way they lost to them. So I like Georgia, and I like Georgia big in this game. 
I like Georgia 34, Florida 16 in this game. So give me the uh, give me the dogs minus 14. We stay in the SEC for game number two as Ole Miss taking on Auburn. The number 10 Rebels heading on to the plains of Alabama to take on the Tigers and War Eagle, uh, the number 18 ranked team in the country. Auburn favored by two and a half in this game. And it's an interesting an interesting line by Vegas on this. I'm not exactly sure what Vegas is looking at or what they know that we don't know. Look, Auburn, you, I mean, I would consider it an upset if Auburn won this football game, not just because of their ranking, but I've seen these two teams play. I've watched them on TV plenty of times. I know the disparity that, that are, is at quarterback between these two uh, offenses. I think it would be a massive upset if Auburn beat Ole Miss. But – you never know in the world of college football which team is going to show up. The, we've seen the Ole Miss offense kind of, I wouldn't say sputter, but they've certainly been slowed down a little bit in the recent weeks. Now, whether that is because of their own doing or by the doing of the opposing team's defense kind of figuring things out, it's going to require Matt Corral to step up and be the Heisman favorite that he is right now. The The biggest key to this game, in my opinion, is going to be ball protection. Uh, and it, it, I mean, it, that's the key in a lot of games. But, damn, I mean, you've, you've, got to, you've got to protect the football. Matt Corral has done a lot better job this season than he did last year when he was throwing, like, three interceptions a game. Um, but Ole Miss, right now, surprisingly enough, they lead the SEC in turnover margin. Well, they're tied with Alabama. They're plus seven on the season in turnover margin. They have that ridiculously high-risk offense, but Matt Corral's been taking care of the football. And if Auburn is going to have any chance of, of pulling off this upset, even though they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite, um, they're going to have to grab a couple of, uh, of interceptions off of Matt Corral, take that uh, Ole Miss offense off the field. I, I just I don't see it. I think the wrong team is favored here. I like the Rebels 38, the Tigers 24. I think, just think the wrong team is favored. I think Ole Miss rolls in this game. So give me Ole Miss plus two and a half regardless. I'll take Ole Miss straight up. The number three game on the list features two teams that are kind of going in different directions right now. The number 20 Penn State Nittany Lions traveling to Columbus to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes who are absolutely rolling right now. Uh, they are steamrolling everybody in their wake. Uh, since the wake-up call at home against the Oregon Ducks in week number two, they have been incredibly dominant. Now, they opened the season at Minnesota. That game was nip and tuck. Minnesota turned out to be a pretty good team, especially on the defensive side of the ball this year. They've played well. Then they lose to Oregon. Then they turn around and have a little bit of a stinker against Tulsa, get the win. But regardless, uh, it was you know, the game was, I think it was, a, it was an eight-point game, uh, I believe, against Tulsa at home. I believe it was an eight-point game with five and a half minutes to go. Ended up being, I think, a 20-point uh, finish for the, uh, for the Buckeyes. But since then, they've destroyed Akron, Rutgers, Maryland, and last week at Indiana was just a blitzkrieg of offense. And C.J. Stroud has just been absolutely incredible. He has vaulted himself up into the, the stratosphere of Heisman hopefuls, and he looks absolutely fantastic. Now, we expected this Penn State offense to be a lot better running the football than they have been. They have not been crisp. They have not been good, at least not consistent, running the football the way that we thought they would. 
And then you've got your head coach, James Franklin, in a press conference earlier this week saying that we're focused on Illinois in the big house. Well, what, what the hell are you talking about, man? First of all, you're not playing Illinois. You're playing Ohio State. Second of all, the building you're going to be playing in is the horseshoe, not the big house in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I, I don't understand why, like how. And it's not. this is not James Franklin's first year in football. It's not his first year in the Big Ten. He's been there seven years. Look, Ohio State's favored by 18 and a half. They are looking like, every week they're looking like one of the top four teams in the country. The fact that they're sitting at number five is just purely based on the fact that they lost at home to Oregon, and Oregon hasn't been able to play up to that potential since then. I think Ohio State absolutely decimates Penn State this year. I, I, it's, they've, they're on a mission. They are needing to win by style points. They beat Penn State in a close game last year but covered the spread. The previous year, it was a close game. Penn State covered the spread in that one. But nonetheless, in their, you know, it basically their last nine matchups against Penn State, Ohio State has won the game. They've won four straight, including four straight at home, and they've covered the last four at home when they were favorites against Penn State, and they're going to cover this weekend as well. 18.5 is a lot of points to be giving up here. But I'll take it. That offense is just absolutely rolling. There's no way that Penn State can keep up with that. I like the Buckeyes 42, Penn State 21. So give me the uh, give me the Bucks minus 18 and a half. Next up, we go into the into a, a non-power five conference, but two teams that are playing like power five teams: the Fresno State Bulldogs and their very impressive quarterback Jake Hayner heading into San Diego State down the coast a little bit to take on the unbeaten Aztecs, whom we saw earlier put a whooping on the Wildcats uh, in Tucson in week number two, up 21 nothing early and never looked back and uh, able to really just kind of cruise. Now, the Aztecs, they, uh, they gave up their first rushing touchdown of the season a couple of weeks ago in that overtime win over San Jose State, and they were the last team to surrender a, uh, a, a rushing touchdown this year. Not Georgia. It was San Diego State. We saw that defense up close, and they are stout. They are very, very good. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons why they have a, an unblemished record. Number one, again, they play great defense. They're great against the run. They're quite good against the pass. They have maybe the most unheralded weapon in all of college football, though. We saw him at Arizona. His name is Matt Ariza. He is their kicker slash punter. Last week, he had an 82-yard punt. He's kicked multiple 50-plus-yard field goals this season. He has, I think he's kicked three punts over 70 yards this year. He's, he's an absolute field-flipping weapon, is Matt Ariza. He'll be kicking in the NFL on Sundays, guaranteed. Now, the problem in this game, now San Diego State's only favored by one at home, and you, th- you think, like, well, why is that? They're, you know, they've been so dominant and you know Fresno comes in. They're not, you know, Fresno's not world beaters. They're, I mean, they're a good, they're a good football team, but they're not, uh, they're not complete world beaters. They've lost a couple games this year. San Diego State, as good as they are on defense, they are very, very average on offense. In fact, they're nearly dead last in passing offense this year. They average only 121 yards a game through the air. Now they're 26 in rushing offense, which is pretty good. Um, 49th in scoring. They're going to have to deal with Jake Hayner. Jake Hayner's a real gamer. 
Uh, Jake is one of those players that you he, he's he's just tough as leather, man. You watch that kid play; he is just so impressive. I'm a huge Jake Hayner fan. I just think that if if you can't run the football at all, what chance do you have? And I don't see Fresno being able to run the football at all, which is going to allow San Diego State to flex a little bit in the passing defense as well, which is which has been pretty good. I think the game is going to be extremely close, and I think that Jake Hayner is going to really kind of make a game out of it. But I'm going to take San Diego State minus the one. Okay, I just figure you know it'll be it'll be a push if they if they win by one, and then if otherwise if they, if they win the game, uh, you win the bet as well. I'm going to take San Diego State just barely, just barely here. I like the Aztecs 24. Give me no, give me 26, 26, 24 over the Bulldogs. So give me the Aztecs 26, Bulldogs 24. I'll take San Diego State minus the one there. All right. I'm going to take a timeout because I need a little extra time to discuss the final game of the weekend. It's a huge one. It's a rivalry game in the Big Ten. I think you know where I'm going with this. Both teams 7-0. and Both teams love to play smash-mouth football. They've got two head coaches that really kind of their team embodies. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to save it for the next segment because there's no way I can squeeze it in here into the end of this segment. So when we return, we will talk my final game of the Friday Five. The NFL season is approaching the halfway point, and FanDuel Sportsbook has got a little something extra for you on Sunday night. The matchup between Dallas and Minnesota is going to feature the 25-1 to 1 odds on any touchdown scored in the game. That means that you can place a $5 wager and win $125. Yeah, you got to check it out. Personally, I'm going to take Ezekiel Elliott for an any touchdown bet in the game, and then I'm going to go ahead and play with it a little bit. I'm going to plus I'm going to throw the Cowboys money line along uh, over with the uh, with the over on uh, on passing yards and boom, you got yourself a solid SGP. Now, offers like this one are just one of the many reasons why I love betting the NFL on FanDuel. It's America's number one rated sports app. Uh, uh, number, America's number one rated sportsbook app. It's uh, easy to use, of course. I figured it out. You'll be able to figure it out. It's got safe and secure transactions, including now accepting Venmo and lightning fast payouts. FanDuel is sports betting made simple, and they're going to be hooking you up with great offers like this all season long. Now, don't take my word for it. See for yourself. Just sign up with my promo code DEAN this week before the Sunday night matchups. You've got a couple days left to do it, and you could win $125 on just a $5 bet. But you got to remember, you got to use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you to get those 25-to-1 odds. And it's exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over in present in Arizona. New users only. $10 first deposit is required. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus is $125. Restrictions apply. See full term at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next Step to 53342. More after this here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. We're uh, amidst picking our Friday Five, or my Friday Five, I should say. So far, have broken down the four big games, four of the big games in college football, and now we've come to the uh, the final of the Friday Five, my fifth game of the week, and it's the big one. 
The number six Michigan Wolverines travel down to East Lansing to take on the number eight Spartans of Michigan State. It's going to be a Sparty party there at East Lansing, as it always is, the party school in state, just having a good time, just happy to be here. But they're 7-0. and They're ranked number eight in the country. And they got Kenneth Walker in the backfield, and they're running like, like crazy. They're running like roughshod on teams. You know what they're also doing? They're committing penalties at a ridiculous rate. They are 117th in the country in penalties right now, folks. That's a lot. That's really, really bad. They also, for some reason, can't convert third downs. They're 106th in the country this year in converting third downs. You would think that with that talented of a running back and that type of a run game that they would just be dominating on third downs, but they're not. They're 32nd, in fact, in rushing offense, which you would think like, oh, okay, they actually throw the ball a little bit better than people give them credit for. Uh, the quarterback situation there is, is, is pretty good. They've got some receivers that can play. Now looking on the other side of the field, Michigan, they're going to line up with the nation's fifth-best fifth best rushing attack, ranked fifth. They average 253 yards a game on the ground. They've had 300 or 330 yards or more in three games, including against Washington in that game, uh, they've just been, you know, they've been running the football down teams' throats. You know, they lose their really talented wide receiver in the first game of the season against Western Michigan. So what do they do? They turn to the running game where, yeah, they, 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 they ran for 335 yards against Washington, Western Michigan, and Northern Illinois. Again, two of those defenses no good. The Washington defense that we saw, actually, you know, not bad. It's pretty decent, especially, uh, you know, against the run. So we are – still left kind of wondering what that would look like against a top defense. Well, they had against you know, they had some issues against uh, Wisconsin, but they were still able to come out and score 38 points on the Badgers at Camp Randall, a game that Wisconsin was favored in. I think Wisconsin was favored by four or five and a half or something like that. Uh, Wisconsin was, was, it was kind of an interesting favorite in that game. Michigan all year long has been playing – um, with with this edge that Jim Harbaugh tends to bring with him, especially since he's been rumored to be on the hot seat or maybe even jumping ship back into the NFL. But you look at Michigan top to bottom. I mean, if you look at statistically, categorically in statistics, they are um, – this is not, it's not a joke. They are top 30 in like 15 statistical categories. They are just so good. And most importantly – they are number two in scoring defense. They are giving up 14.3 points per game. And it's not like they haven't played anybody. Western Michigan has been – Western Michigan could hang 50 on anyone today. They scored 14 against, the, against the, 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 the Wolverines. Washington scored 10. That's not a big deal. We, 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 you know, we kind of saw that coming. Wisconsin scored 17. Nebraska was a close game. That was an interesting game. That was kind of a trap game, I think, for for a lot of people, you know, overlooking Nebraska. They're playing better right now. That was a close game. They stopped Northwestern. Now, people that are looking at Michigan State, well, well, they're 7-0, and they've stopped the guts out of teams. They, you know, they beat the hell out of Northwestern, and they stopped Miami. They, you know, they beat the brakes off of Rutgers and Western Kentucky. Congratulations. They played an overtime game. They won against Nebraska. That game was at home. Here's a little something about Michigan State. 7-0 and this year. They have not beat a single team with a winning record. They have not played a single team with a winning record. They played Youngstown State earlier this year. Normally, normally the Penguins are really good. They're 2-4 and four this year. 
Every team they've played has a losing record. And I'm not talking about, oh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're three and four. No, no. The, like, Nebraska's like the best team they've played this year. Miami got a win last week, whatever. They're no good. They're going to fire their coach at the end of the season. I think Nebraska might be the best team that they've played this year. And that was an overtime win, and uh, Nebraska missed a kick in that overtime that vaulted, uh, that vaulted Michigan State to the win. I just don't see it. I think this is a lopsided victory. I don't. This is more of a rivalry game for Michigan State than it is for Michigan. I think most Michigan fans would would accept that. Most college football fans would be like, "Yeah, Michigan's rivalry is with Ohio State, not with Michigan State." But it's not bad to beat up on little brother every now and then. Give him a nuggie, wedgie him, go drop him in for a swirly, and I think that's what Michigan's going to do to Sparty this weekend. Michigan's favored by four. I think they're just going to blow Sparty out of the water in this one. Give me Michigan 34, Michigan State 21. I like uh, I like the Wolverines big. They're going to dominate time of possession. Um, Michigan State's like, they're like 120th or something like that in time of, 119th in time of possession. So <laughs> they don't hang on to the ball too long either. I just like, I think Michigan is just going to dominate this football game from the get-go. And yes, there is always that rivalry you know, sense of there could be an upset in this game. And I think that's why the game is honestly going to be as close as it is. Because if you line these two teams up, if Michigan State had a different name, played in a different state, uh, I would pick Michigan in this to win this game by three touchdowns. Like, that's just how lopsided I think these two teams are. Don't get me wrong. Mel Tucker's done a nice job in his, in his second season there at Michigan State. And I think he'll continue to grow that program if he doesn't jump for an SEC job this offseason. But Michigan, by far the better team. They're more talented, they're better coached, and they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder. I think they win that game big. So there we go. I have my Friday five picks, Georgia minus 14 over Florida. I have Ole Miss plus 2.5 straight up over Auburn. I like the Ohio State Buckeyes to win big and cover 18.5 against the Nittany Lions. I like San Diego State by a hair to cover a one-point spread against Fresno, and I like the Wolverines to beat up on the Sparty, the uh, the Spartans, 34-21. And that is my Friday Five. When we return, we will talk some NFL. I've got my NFL lock of the week coming up, plus some of the big previews of some of the big games going on Sunday, and we'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. One final little note on the rivalry game between the Wolverines and the Spartans. Apparently, the state of Michigan, although they are divided uh, amongst their fandom for which team they're going to be rooting for. Apparently, the local betters are jumping all over Michigan State in this game. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of crying eyes in the state of Michigan. Now, these these very well could be Michigan fans just being, you know, lowly, oh, woe is me, Michigan fans, betting on the Spartans so that in, if, if in case they lose the game, at least they'll get some money for it. Could be It, it could be a lot of that. I just I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't think – obviously, Michigan State has a chance in this game. Everybody's got a chance. It's college football. But I, I, I don't like the matchup. I think Michigan wins 
by a landslide. And uh, we'll uh, we'll watch as those betters in Michigan tear up their tickets in anger. All right, let's jump over to the NFL. Let's do a little weekend preview of some of the big games in the NFL this weekend because there are some you know some really good games, and including my lock of the week. I don't think it's going to be a good game, but I'm picking it as my lock of the week because it's the it's the line that I like the best, and I you know I pick games against the spread. I'm seven and one this season on my locks of the week. And uh, I think we got a winner this week. So let's jump into some of the uh, some of the better games from the uh, from the weekend. Now we got the Titans heading into Indy to take on the Colts. Colts are a two and a half point favorite in that game. This is a huge AFC South division game. Um, the Titans beat the Colts earlier this year in Tennessee. So now they're going to turn around, head to Indy. I don't know why the NFL made these two games so early in the schedule. I mean, they had to know. With Jacksonville and Houston in that division, that these were going to be the two teams fighting for first place in the AFC South, why not schedule them, you know, week eight and week sixteen or something like that, or week uh, week six and week seventeen? Why are we doing this? And the series is going to be over after week eight, and then these two teams are going to beat up on the uh, on the little kids in the in the division for the rest of the year. I don't know. I, I don't like the, the schedule makers on this particular one. You had to know. You had to see this coming, that the Colts and the Titans are going to be the two best teams in this division. It's not. We see it a, you know, a lot of times in, in the NFL. You're like, oh, man, that, that Brown-Steelers game at the end of the year is going to be a doozy. And then in week 10, you're like, that game's going to suck. <laughs> I mean, that happens, that happens a lot because you're, you're just not sure. You know, teams underwhelm, overwhelm, whatever have you. <laughs> you had to know. That the Jags and the Texans, two of the worst teams in the NFL, were going to stink this year. Why put the Titans and the Colts so early in your schedule? I don't get it. But regardless, um, that's going to be a good game. Derrick Henry, of course, continues just to pile up ridiculous numbers. Um, and the Colts are really, really hot right now. They are playing as well as anyone. Carson Wentz is not turning the ball over, which is huge for Indianapolis. Um, defensively, the Titans aren't as good as we expect them to be this year. They're giving up a ton of yards per game, about 395 yards a game. They're bad against the pass. I think they're 24th, 24th rated uh, pass defense in the NFL. Meanwhile, the Colts, the Colts defense has played extremely well. We knew they were, they were going to be a good defense. We knew that their defense was, uh, was Super Bowl caliber-esque. Uh, right now, I think they have the 13th overall defense in the league giving up the 11th most points, 21 points per game. Offensively, throwing the football, they've been a little bit better than I thought, you know, because they're not turning the ball over with Carson Wentz. And running the football, Jonathan Taylor, is an extremely hot hand right now. So this could be a matchup of two really, really, really good running backs between Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Could be an interesting old throwback type of game in the AFC South. Should be a fun one to watch there. And I know I'm looking forward to it. I'll be I'll be tuning in on that one. Speaking of the Steelers and the Browns, Brownies hosting the Steelers this weekend. Uh, you know, is Baker Mayfield? They're you know they're most likely gonna you know gonna be without Baker Mayfield this year or this uh, this year this week, as he was uh, seen in a sling, his arm in a sling uh, this week. Did not participate in the practices. So, again, it's probably going to be Case Keenum at quarterback for the Browns, who, again, are extremely talented and should have enough talent to win, at least beat the Steelers, with or without Baker Mayfield. In fact, 
a lot of people think that Case Keenum might be might be the answer for the for the Browns for the rest of the season. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it'll be a low scoring game. The over under in this game is forty two. Seems a little high to me, but I don't like I, again. I don't like betting unders, especially in a league where quarterbacks are so good at negotiating the two minute drill, the, the one minute drill, or whatever. But if you've got Ben Roethlisberger versus Case Keenum. I'm not exactly sure those are two quarterbacks that are going to be capable of operating those two-minute drills and getting those final possession touchdowns in this game. So I like the under um, in this game. I do like the Browns um, to win, but I think the Steelers are going to cover. It's a three-and-a-half-point spread. I think it's going to be, you know, something like a maybe like a 20-19 to kind of game, something like that, just real ugly, real ugly kind of matchup. Uh, Steelers will be ready. I think the Browns win, but it's going to be a really, really close game. The Niners taking on the Bears, heading into Chicago to take on Justin Fields and the Bears, um, two teams that are, let's just call it like it is, they're struggling. Um, the quarterback position has not worked out the way either of these teams had hoped they would. For Chicago, Justin Fields has looked good, has put up really, really awful numbers, and I think a lot of that is in part to the game plan that's been ha- that's been handed to him. I don't feel that he has been given the proper tools to win or at least to succeed and look like a, an NFL caliber quarterback in this league so far in his uh, in his young tenure as the quarterback of the Bears and the 49ers defense of course with that defensive line going up against what might be the worst offensive line in the league that's where the biggest mismatch is. Regardless of who the 49ers trot out there at quarterback, whether it's Jimmy G, whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's you know C.J. Beathard, whoever, doesn't even matter. They put Brandon Ayuk at quarterback. I don't even care. It's all going to come down to how much pressure that defensive line puts on Justin Fields, and it's going to be all day for him. It's going to be a long, painful day for Justin Fields. I think Nick Bosa has a huge game. Um, it'll probably result in some strip sacks, some fumbles. Um, I, I think the 49ers win this game big, to be honest with you. They're favored by four, I think it is. Four. They're favored by four right now. So I think the Niners win that game big. I, I don't think it's going to be a pretty game at all. I think Niners win that game something like 24-13, somewhere around there, 24-10. Um, that defensive line is just going to have their way with that Bears offensive line. The Bucks and the Saints. I've talked about it for the uh, you know for the FanDuel uh, props and things like that. Some of the SGPs that are going to be available in this game. Could be fun because I think these teams are going to sling it. Um, you know, both of these teams have played well in the passing game. Jameis Winston still without a whole lot of targets because of injuries and things like that. But 13 touchdowns, only three interceptions on the year. And I think he's playing as well as, as Sean Payton would expect him to without, you know, not turning the football over. On the other side, though, you've got Tom Terrific leading the NFL in touchdowns. His touchdown to interception ratio is 7 to 1. 21 touchdowns, three interceptions. It's just incredible. They're the best passing team in the NFL. They're the third rated offense in the NFL. They're third in points, scoring just under 34 points a game. They're really good on third down. And defensively, yes, they give up a ton of yards through the air, but they're, they have the best defense in the league against the run, which is really quite remarkable when you think about it. Both of these teams are actually really good against the run. If you look at what New Orleans is doing, they're, I think, they're third in the league against the run on defense. They look great uh, on defense, and neither of these teams are going to give up a ton of points. 
So it's going to be a a little bit of a battle of attrition because the two defenses have been very, very stingy this year. The over-under is 49-and-a-half, and you look at the offensive matchup between Tom Brady and Jameis Winston, you're thinking, like, man, these guys are going to light the scoreboard. And then you look at the defenses, like, they're only giving up, like, 18 points a game between them. So this is an interesting little matchup here. This is going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm going to be watching closely to see what the trends are in this game on Saturday night and early Sunday morning. I'm just going to be curious to see what people are doing, whether they're betting unders or overs. Are they betting Saints? Are they betting Buccaneers? That's a that's a tough one. That's a dicey one there. I, I That game is really hard to predict, in my opinion. Speaking of predictions, it's time for my NFL lock of the week. If you are here for my just can't miss, this is your chance to earn some money and get yourself a, one of those wonderfully – you know, wonderfully, uh, uh, you know, give you a good feeling, warm and fuzzies on the inside, walking that digital ticket up to the ticket window on FanDuel Sportsbook and uh, cashing in a ticket. This is it, man. I'm 7-1 and one against the spread this year in my NFL locks of the week. Going back to last year when I was 13-3 and three against the spread last year, I am 20-4 in my last 24 picks against the spread in the NFL. That is... I mean, look, I'm not I'm not going to hurt my arm here patting myself on the shoulder, but that's as good as any other sharp in the country right now picking games. And I know, I only pick one. I don't pick five or whatever it is. I just pick one game, but I've been very good at picking that one game. This is my pick for this week, the lock of the week. And I'm going out on a limb here because it's a big spread. But I'm going to be playing essentially against the losing team in this particular situation. The Bengals traveling to New York to take on the lowly Jets. The Jets, with Zach Wilson, were awful. Now now they're going to have Mike White as their quarterback. Mike White, who started at uh, Western Kentucky, I believe is where he played his football at, is going to be the starting quarterback for one of the worst offenses in the league. And now we just get news that wide receiver Corey Davis is out. He's got a hip injury. He will not play on Sunday against the Bengals. The Bengals' defense has been playing well. They've gotten, a uh, obviously, a really impressive victory last week, a dominant victory last week, and Joe Burrow is the man. I love me some Joe Burrow. The Jets' defense has been awful because their offense has put them in such bad situations. The Jets are dead last in rushing, dead last in points, They're 31st in total yards and 30th in passing yards. And now they're going to roll Mike White out there to see if he can throw to nobody. (laughs) The Bengals are favored by 10.5. If they were favored by 14.5, I would still take the Bengals. The Bengals win this game big. And I think they may not even play as crisp as we would expect them to against a team like the Jets, but I think it's because they're going to be laughing hysterically at what they're seeing across the other side of the field there. And I don't think it has much to do with Robert Sala. I think he was put in a horrible situation. The The, the Jets organization brought in a defensive guru to, to run a team who has been so bad offensively over the last decade that they can't even get out of their own way most of the time. I like Cincinnati huge in this game. I think the Bengals win this game 37-16, to 16, and I, the game's not even going to be that close. I, I'm, I'm basically stating that, that the Jets are going to score 
probably a touchdown. They'll probably kick three field goals throughout the course of the game. They'll throw. They'll, they'll score a late touchdown with like four seconds to go in the game because Cincinnati feels bad for them. Um, but I like I like Cincinnati all over the Jets. It's only a ten and a half point spread, and I again I think you could go fourteen and a half on this one and still be fine, still be comfortable with that one. Give me Cincinnati thirty seven, the Jets sixteen because. I just think, uh, in this case, I'm not even betting. It's not for the Bengals. It's against the Jets and how bad they are, just how badly they can get beat at any given time by any other team. All right, so there you have it, my NFL lock of the week, a little weekend preview of the games. When we return, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show on this Football Friday here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. You know, it's been a frantic Friday here, and uh, I didn't even give my three keys to an Arizona victory on Saturday against USC. Um, for, For Arizona to win this game tomorrow, these, the following three things are going to have to happen for them. They, they, they absolutely have to be better in the red zone. Arizona right now in the red zone, they've just been abysmal on both sides of the ball. Red zone offense, they're 121st in the country. Red zone defense, they're 126th in the country, giving up scores 95% of the time. They're going to have to be better in the red zone if they want to have a chance against USC. Adversely, USC is the best team in the Pac-12 in the red zone. They're 14th on offense in the red zone, so once, you get, once they get there, they scored a 93% clip. And defensively, they're 19th in the country in the red zone. So they're very, very good in those red zone situations. That's where they can get you. They can maul you. They can use their athleticism, their size to, to, you know, to beat other teams. Arizona has to be better in the red zone. That is the number one key to this game. Number two, no turnovers. Don't turn the ball over. Do not give USC other chances. They are explosive enough without the extra chances. They're 34th in the country in, in offense. They're 13th in the country in passing offense. You do not want Drake London on the field any more than he absolutely has to be. So n- limit the turnovers. Do not turn the ball over. Will Plummer, if he, if he starts throwing interceptions, they're going to have to figure something out. Like if, he's, if, if USC is duping him into throws, which they will do because they have you know, that type of mentality – they will, you know, they will bait him into some throws. They've got a very uh, savvy head coach in Dante Williams who knows how to coach DBs. They'll be looking for those extra turnovers. And look, they're going to be pressing. They they've lost two games in a row. They got blown out by Utah, blown out by Notre Dame. They've lost three of their last four games. They got blown out by Oregon State. Um, in between, you know, sandwich in there, they went to Colorado and beat the hell out of uh, out of Colorado, just like about just about everybody does. So. They're going to be looking for a win. They need a win. They need a win in a big way, and they need to score a lot of points. They are going to want to put Arizona in the dirt. So I think they're going to be taking chances in this game. Got to be careful. Don't turn the ball over. And finally, you got to be able to run the football against this team. You know, I, I know that it's like you, you, keep, you keep hearing it, and it's just like beating a dead horse. Arizona has to run the football because they don't want to rely on Will Plummer to throw them into situations where they're, you know, where they're having to get uh, convert long, lengthy third downs. Even though Arizona's third down percentage has been has been okay this year, um, you know, as far as converting them, again, the statistics are worse than what Arizona has really been. Arizona's 
penalties have put them in really bad situations. I've addressed the penalties the last two games for keys to victory. I'm not even going to do it again because I'm sick and tired of of letting myself down in that area. Arizona is just going to continue to commit penalties, um, and oftentimes in in the worst situations. We just have to hope that it that it gets better at some point. Um, but if you run the football, rely on USC getting antsy, if you will, like kind of chomping at the bit, trying to make things happen. If Arizona can control the clock and keep the ball out of USC's hands, you might cause them to make some mistakes, jump off sides, things like that. They're a very undisciplined team. You might be able to take advantage of that. So those are essentially my three keys to a victory. Um, again, anything is possible in the world of college football. Arizona could go into the Coliseum and win for the first time there in like a decade. I think their last win there was 2009. So, um, yeah, it's been a while. But we're going to watch them on TV. We're going to wish them the best of luck. We're going to cheer on the boys and uh, see what they can do, see what kind of fight they can put up against the Trojans on Saturday. That's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mireya behind the glass there back in the studio for pushing all the buttons and keeping me on the air. We'll see you guys again on Monday right here at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back Monday morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson.